So it was February of 2020, just a couple, couple months ago, eight weeks ago. And we had just, I just finished watching the Super Bowl. It was a great comeback of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, to, to win the Super Bowl. And uh, I was looking forward to, to baseball getting started, my Chicago White Sox getting ready to, to, to batter up and everything like that. I was getting excited about baseball and, and, and March Madness. March Madness was right around the corner and they were getting ready to start uh, different conference tournaments. And then we started hearing about a, a virus in China. And at first, people told little jokes and people made little memes and things like that about the, the coronavirus. And, and little did we know just how serious it was going to get. Little did we know just how frightening it would be. I mean, back in February, we're making plans. We're making plans for family vacations. People I know were making plans for cruises. And people don't want to go anywhere near those now. Uh, people I know were making graduation party plans. Teenagers were planning for, for proms and, and dances and things like that. Birthday parties. All of these plans we were making. And then, well then, Corona happened. And now we're in our homes, confined and quarantined. Yet we're told that we're all in this together. But we feel so alone and so apart. When we're doing this service, we have a, a laptop out in the lobby. And we watch you. <laughs> we can see the comments that you're making. And the one thing that I've read over and over and over again and I've heard from my brothers and sisters here at GFCC, is that we just want to be together again. We just want to get together and, and, and do church again. We can't wait for things to, to go back to normal, whatever that is. Here's the thing is we don't know if things are ever going to go back to normal. We don't know what the new normal will look like. We just know that we're hopeful and we're waiting. We're waiting in the quarantine. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Associate Pastor Brandon and I were sitting down and we were planning worship for uh, several weeks out. And we were talking about some different sermon series ideas and how the sermons go with the songs and the songs go with the sermons. And we were thinking about the live stream and, and how people are quarantined in their homes. And we started talking about, well, what do people really need to hear from God? What encouragement do they need? And we started talking about what it means to be content in the quarantine. Because let's face it, we're not very content right now. We're starting to get a little antsy starting to get a little agitated, starting to drive each other crazy. So we're going to start a new series tonight called Contentment in the Quarantine. And for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about areas of our lives where we need to be content. Tonight, we're going to be talking about being content in the good and the bad. 
Next week, we'll talk about being content with our daily bread. Then we're going to talk about how, being, how we need to be content with how God sees us. And finally, how to be content in our relationships. And after that, I had originally planned to preach through the book of Acts, and we may still do that, but I'm not sure if that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray about it. I ask you to pray about it too, that God will give us an idea of where we need to go next. Because we don't know when we're going to be back at 202 West Pine Street. We don't know what that's going to look like. But I know that God knows. And I know that he's got a plan, and it's a good one. I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But for tonight, I want to talk about being content in the good and the bad. And we're going to look at two main passages of Scripture. The first is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And it's a very well-known passage of Scripture. We'll get it to, it, to it in just a second. Uh, if you um, have your app on your phone, uh, it'd be a great time to pull out your phone and go to the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, you can go to your app store and search for GFCC, and you can download the app from your app store. And you can do sermon notes in it every week. Our office manager does a great job of getting the sermon notes in there. Uh, and we really appreciate what she does. And uh, so we're going to start in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. And then we're going to flip over to a story from the Old Testament. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll look at a story from the book of Job uh, tonight as we talk about being content in the good and the bad. But first I want to look at this passage from Philippians 4. Um, uh, the book of Philippians uh, is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Philippi was a major important city in ancient Greece. Uh, it was the leading city of Macedonia. Uh, also, it, it got, the church there got started in Acts chapter 16 when uh, the Apostle Paul baptized a woman named Lydia. She was a, a dealer of fly, fine cloth. Uh, he baptized her and her entire family. Uh, and that's where the church got started there in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. So the church of Philippi was very supportive of Paul and his ministry. They would send him gifts to take care of him uh, so that, and to provide for his needs. And in, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul takes a moment to thank them for the gifts that they had sent. And this is what it says in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He's talking about sending gifts. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, maybe you've heard that verse before, Philippians 4.13. It's a very popular verse. Lots of people like to use it as motivation that I can do anything through Jesus because he gives me strength. And I've heard it used for rock climbing. I can climb this rock. I, not me. Not, I, I can't climb rocks. Um, uh, I can barely climb out of bed. Um, but, uh, you know, somebody will say, I, I can climb this rock because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. A team will say, we, we can win this football game because we can do all things through him who gives me strength. Uh, we'll use this verse in different ways uh, to motivate ourselves. I can get good grades 
because I can do all things through him and gives me strength. And yes, Christ gives us the strength to do all kinds of things, but that's not the context of this verse. This verse is specifically talking about being content in any and every situation, to be content with your lot in life. The Apostle Paul says that it takes the very power of Jesus Christ, the power of God within us, to be content because we are not a contented people. We don't like to be content. There's, I've told you before, there's an entire industry designed to make you discontent. It's called advertising. Uh, advertising's, uh, po- the point of advertising is to make you unhappy with what you've got. That's why we're always looking for the new and improved. I need a new car. My, my three-year-old car, not good enough anymore. I need a new car every three years. Uh, I need a new house. Uh, I, I've got too much stuff, and so I need a new house. Uh, I need new clothes. That's me. <laughs> always looking for new clothes with one particular brand in mind. Um, I need a new spouse. You get, you get unhappy with your spouse. You think, I, I need a new spouse. They're going to make me happier. It's not true. You need to be content with what you've got. And Paul says that it takes the very power of Jesus Christ to be able to do that. And, and that's what he means when he says, I can do all things. I can even be content when I am in need or when I have. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, I can be content because Jesus gives me the strength to be content. And there's a great story from the Old Testament that illustrates this idea of being content in both the good and the bad. It's the story of Job. Now, in the book of Job, we read about a man named Job who was very well-to-do. He was well-respected. He had uh, blessings galore. He had a big family and and lots of animals. Uh, He was a wealthy, wealthy man. And one day, in the book of Job chapter 1, it says that the angels were uh, presenting themselves to God. And among them was an angel or a, a being, an angelic being, a being named the Satan or the adversary or the accuser. Scholars are torn as to whether or not it's the, the devil um, or if this is uh, a different uh, Satan. Uh, the reason they don't know if it's actually Satan himself, the Satan, uh, Satan of the New Testament, uh, is because in the Old Testament, in, in the ancient Hebrew, uh, there's a definite article before the name Satan. And so it's not Satan, it's the Satan, or the adversary, or the accuser. And so there's some debate among scholars as to whether or not this is actually the devil presenting himself to God. In either way, this Satan, the Satan, the adversary, is going to accuse Job of only loving God because God blessed Job. So the Satan goes up to God. The adversary says, you know, uh, God says to the adversary, God says to Satan, uh, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him upright in all his ways. You want to know what a good guy Job was? Job offered sacrifices on behalf of his children just in case 
they cursed God. If they accidentally cursed God, if they were uh, celebrating and, and, and got a little tipsy and, and accidentally cursed God, Job would offer sacrifices on behalf of his children to make sure that their sins were covered. He was a good guy and he loved God. So God says, if you consider my servant Job, he's a great guy. The Satan says, well, the only reason he loves you is because you blessed him so much. If you took away all his stuff, he would curse you to your face. God says, I'll take that bet. You can take away all his stuff. And, and in Job chapter 1, we read about how uh, Job's children are, are all killed. They all die. All of his animals are gone. His crops destroyed. Every earthly thing that Job had was taken from him. In a matter of moments, one servant after another, one servant after another came and told him worse and worse news. And in Job chapter 1 verse 20, it says this. Uh, Job tore his clothing and, and, and he said this, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. If you had lost everything that you had, everything that was precious to you, if you lost it all in a moment's notice, could you say that? That's what kind of guy Job was. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He praised God even in the midst of terrible tragedy and heartache. Well, the Satan isn't done yet. Come to chapter 2. Job refused to curse God. So Job chapter 2, Satan goes back to God. And we're going to pick it up in Job 2, 1 through 3. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, the Satan, also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Here's my hope. I'm going to pause for just one second. Here's my hope that God will never, ever, ever say to uh, the Satan or the adversary, the accuser, whoever, have you considered my servant Sean? I, I don't know that I could handle this. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. And so Satan says to God, you know, he only loves you because you didn't hurt him personally. Look at verse 4. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. And so that phrase skin for skin, what that means uh, is that if you had struck Job personally, then he would curse you. That he'd be willing to sacrifice all his kids and all his stuff and all his animals. You know, as long as you don't hurt him, he won't curse you. Skin for skin. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands. But you must spare his life. So Satan says, if you strike him, if you hurt him, if you do something to him 
personally, I know he will curse you to your face. God says, I'll take that bet. So Satan leaves from the presence of God. Verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. To me, this is one of the hardest verses in all of scripture. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Satan goes in a, and afflicts Job with painful sores. Now, I had a bout of shingles last year, just a, a mild case of shingles in one locale on my body, just one little part of my body had shingles on it, and it was miserable. I mean, miserable. And, and some of you are like, I know, I feel your pain, Sean. I've got shingles. I've had shingles. And, and, and you know that it hurts. Job was covered in sores from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. So much so that he sat in the ashes. Now, when it talks about sitting in the ashes, uh, that was in the city's garbage dump where they would put animal dung and, and, and human dung and, and all their garbage and they would set it on fire and, and that's why there's ashes. And it's like a burning garbage dump and burning dung heap and Job is sitting there in mourning and grieving and hurting and struggling and in pain and he's scraping himself with broken pottery just to try and relieve the pain that he's in. And yet he will not curse God. His wife says to him, why don't you just curse God and die? Just, just die. And he's like, shall we only accept good from God and not trouble? The Hebrew word, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for good is taub, T-O-W-B, taub. And it means good, bounty, or prosperity. And, and, and the, the Old Testament word for bad is ra. It means bad, evil, or trouble. And he says, should we accept only taub from God and not ra? And, and I think the same thing, we could ask ourselves the same question. In the midst of our lives, do we only want the taub and not the ra? There's two things that you need to do and one thing you need to know. First, you need to be content in the taub. You need to be content in the taub, in the good. And let's face it, it is sometimes harder to be content in the taub than it is in the raw. Because when things are going good, it can be real easy to attribute it to ourselves. I must be doing something right. Things are going really good. I must be doing okay. My money's doing well. Family's doing well. Life is pretty taub right now. Life is pretty good. And it's then that we're tempted to kind of turn away from God and say, I don't need God. My life is great. Can you learn to be content in the taub and not want more and more? Because let's face it, when we have money in our pockets, it starts to burn a hole in our pockets. And it's like, I, 
I don't know that I can be content in the taub. I don't know that I can be content in the good. I need it to be better. Sure, things are good, but they can always be better, right? So I don't know that I want to be content in the taub. I don't want to know that I don't know that I want to be content in the good. I want better. We need to learn contentment in the good. You also need to learn content, to be content in the raw, in the bad. You need to be content in the bad as well as in the good. And let's face it, let's face it, that's harder to be content when things are bad, when things are going rough, and all we want is better. And, and we don't want to suffer. We don't want to hurt. We don't want our loved ones to hurt. We don't want our loved ones to suffer. We, we don't want to be stuck in our homes anymore. We don't want to be struggling financially anymore. Uh, we want that stimulus check to come. Where is my check? Uh, we want uh, our jobs back. We want our lives back. We want our families back. We want our church back. And yeah, things seem pretty rough right now. Seem, things seem pretty bad right now. So how can we rely on the power of Christ, rely on the power of Jesus to help us to be content? To be content in our situation, to be content in our circumstances, to be content in both the taub and the ra, in the good and in the bad. Now, I told you there's two things you need to do. One, you need to be content in the taub. Two, you need to be content in the ra. And there's one thing you need to know. If you're in the rah right now, things won't stay bad in your life forever. Good is on the way. Things will not stay rah forever. Taub is on the way. In Romans 8.28, it says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That God can and God has promised to and God will work everything out for the best he will work everything out for good for those who love him and who do his will and so love him and do his will follow jesus if you're not a follower of jesus yet uh, i want to encourage you to investigate faith in christ i want to encourage you to take a next step of faith and and keep tuning in on saturday nights or or on demand after sunday morning keep tuning in and learning more about this god who loves you and cares for you and and who sent his son Jesus to die for you. And if you're ready to make a step of faith of, of uh, getting baptized, I want you to reach out to us by either calling our church office at 219-924-6840 or, or sending an, an email to our office at office at gfcc.net. If you're ready to take that step of faith, we want to help you in that step that you need to take. You know, it can be hard to remember that good is on the way. It can be so easy to focus on the raw that we forget about the taub. Good is on the way, my friends. Better days are ahead. But whether we are living in the taub or we are living in the raw, we need to be content. We need to be content with what God has done in the past and we need to be content knowing that God holds the future. And so in the midst of the quarantine, you may feel less than content. Know this. God's got a good plan. And he will bring it about in his timing and according to his will. And it is a good plan for you and for me.
So let us learn to be content in both the good and the bad and to praise his name no matter what. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story of Job. It is such a difficult story to read and to hear about how one man, how one man could uh, have so much taken from him, how one man could suffer so severely and yet still praise your name. A man who knew what it meant to be content in both the taub and the ra. So I pray for my friends. I pray for myself. Help us, God, to be content in the good and the bad, knowing that good is on the way. Thank you for this time together tonight. And until we all get together again, we bless, we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.